Morning, church. How's everybody doing today? Having a good day? For those of you who like cool weather, the cool weather is here. For those of you who don't, get over it. It'll, it'll get warm here again soon, but uh, isn't the cool weather nice? I mean, just, even if it's occasionally, it's, it's nice. I mean, the mosquitoes go away for a little while, so I like the cool weather. We have so many things happening here at this church. Um, just look, look around. I mean, there's, the, the seating is a little difficult. We've, we've got people in the spit zone. Like right here. So, we, uh, I don't, <clears throat> if you read the bulletin, we post numbers on the back. So, last week, we were pushing 500. We had 494. Why the guys counting couldn't find six more people, I don't know. <laughs> but we had 494. Did you see Sunday night small group attendance? 366. Isn't that fantastic? So we have a lot of folks involved in small groups. If you're not, you need to be involved in small groups. We want to encourage you to do that. If, uh, if you don't know anything about small groups, the guy leading our singing, Rodney Britt, will get you plugged in, and we'd love for you to be in a small group. So we even had 227 on Wednesday night. That's just like crazy. I mean, is the Lord coming again or... Thank you, Adam, for laughing. <laughs> I appreciate that. We, uh, we had a thing last night. I, I love what we're doing with the families. You're going to hear more about that today as well. We had a thing called Married People. I think Brian said we had about 50 people up here on a Saturday night. Bruce is going to tell you about um, something coming next week. There's something in your chair. That's all I'm going to tell you, understanding your teenager. We have so many things happening. And gas was 309 on the way to work today, on the way to church today. Amen. Got an amen on gas in your car. <clears throat> cool weather just does something to you. So we're in a series from the book of Acts and we're calling it Empowered to Witness. And we're basing it on um, chapter 1, uh, verse 8, right out, of the, right out of the chute. But you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we're going to be in Acts for a while. If you don't know where to find Acts, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Those are called the Gospels. They tell about Jesus being on the earth and His uh, crucifixion, His resurrection. And then you have the book of Acts, the fifth book in the New Testament. We're called to be witnesses. We're called to be character witnesses. We're called to be material witnesses. We're called to tell people who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. So even today, we are still called to be witnesses, but we can't do that without power. So Jesus says, I'll, I'll give you the power to be witnesses. So we're kind of talking about what that power is and how that power works and what that power looks like. We were in Acts 2 last week, and I just need one more Sunday. I told you I'm not in any hurry. I, I, I need to stay in Acts chapter 2 one more Sunday because I need to tell you about that power. I need to show you what that power does. I need to illustrate what the Holy Spirit does. So here's a quick review. In Acts chapter 1, if you read in Acts chapter 1, Jesus is about to ascend to heaven. He's about to go back to the Father. He's about to go back to glory. 
But he tells his disciples, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait. Wait for the power. So in chapter 1, that's what you find them doing in Acts chapter 1. They go back to Jerusalem and they wait. They go to the upper room, they're constantly in prayer, and they're waiting for the power. I'm not sure they knew what that power was, but they were waiting. I'm not sure they knew to what degree that power, the Holy Spirit, would come upon them, but they were waiting and they were praying. And the word that is power is dunamis. I really like that. It's We get the word dynamite. You will receive dunamis. You will receive power. There's going to be an explosion in the book of Acts. And that explosion starts in Acts chapter 2. It's going to start in Jerusalem, like Jesus said, and it's going to go to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And we're still feeling that ripple effect today from that explosion. So here we are in Acts chapter 2, and I want to see today what the Holy Spirit did then and what the Holy Spirit still does today. You know, a couple of weeks ago when we started this series, somebody grabbed me and said, you said Holy Spirit more times in that sermon two weeks ago than I've heard Holy Spirit in my whole life. So we're going to talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. I don't want you to think I know everything about the Holy Spirit. I just want to go through Acts so that we can see what the Holy Spirit did and what the Holy Spirit does. So today we're going to see that the Holy Spirit interprets, the Holy Spirit empowers, and the Holy Spirit inscribes. So in Acts chapter 2, Jesus says, you're going to be witnesses in Jerusalem, so we're in Jerusalem. It's the day of Pentecost. We talked about that last week. It's one of the three big feasts of the Jews. They had the Feast of the Passover. They had the Feast of Tabernacles. They had the Feast of Pentecost. Pentecost means the 50th. 50 days after the Passover, we're going to celebrate the day of Pentecost. So we got a lot of folks in Jerusalem. We got a lot of folks in the town. We got a lot of folks in the temple. We are packed. We are wall-to-wall people because the Feast of Pentecost is about remembering commemorating what God did and when God showed up on Mount Sinai. Now, you remember Mount Sinai. Moses goes up the mountain. The people are down at at the bottom of the mountain. Moses goes up and receives tablets of stone. He receives the law of God. And so we are remembering, we are commemorating a time when God showed up and we are remembering today in the day of Pentecost and God is about to show up again. So let me tell you what's going on again in Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blood... Is that thing blinking on y'all? Let's read on this one. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So the explosion is about to begin. The power is arriving. And I want you to see what that power does. Look at these verses. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. So, like I said, the city is packed. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They said, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. So the first thing I want you to understand is the Holy Spirit is doing some interpreting here but I'm going to have to illustrate. Now, we've got people from different backgrounds, every nation, different dialects, different languages, but somehow they heard the message of God that day, I believe because the Holy Spirit was interpreting what God wanted them to hear. 
So not only did they see the message, not only did they feel the message, but they heard the message. So God explodes on the scene in power in such a way that everybody hears the message. And that message is sent. That message is interpreted by the Holy Spirit. Now let me illustrate what I mean by interpret. You ever got a voice message on your phone and you go to listen to it and maybe it's a little gargled, maybe it's crackled and you're like, what? And you can't understand it. Maybe, maybe some of y'all still have a, a, some machine at home that records messages and, and for some reason it doesn't record very well or the people just don't make sense and you're like, what? That just doesn't make any sense. Maybe you get a text message and someone sends something and you're like, I don't even know what this means. And it's almost like you need an interpreter because you're saying, what in the world does that mean? Let me illustrate another way. When our kids were growing up, when your kids are growing up, you know, when they're little and they're just kind of babbling and throwing words together, somehow God gifts parents that we know what our kids are saying, even though it doesn't make much sense. In fact, some other adult can come up to your kid and your kid can go, and they look at you and say, what? And then the parent interprets like it made any sense whatsoever. And you're like, Oh, yeah. That's what's going on in Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at some verses here in a second, but the Holy Spirit takes what God wants the people to hear, which may or may not make sense, but He interprets for us. And He spells that out. And He does it both ways. Here's what I mean. Our Scripture reading in, in Romans chapter 8 today, but the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit, I didn't do that. But the Spirit intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Have you ever, have you ever started a prayer to God and you're like, you know, I don't even know what to say. I just, it's just kind of like a shotgun prayer. You're just like, and you just kind of throw it out. And you feel guilty because you're thinking, you know, I, I didn't pray right. I, I didn't use the right words. But, you know, you, you threw some words out. Guess what? The Holy Spirit interprets. He takes what we're trying to say to God and He interprets those words. He articulates our prayers. He tells God what we're trying to say. You know, Lord, I, I just don't know what to say. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Lord, I just don't know what to say, so I'm just going to kind of throw it out. Guess what? The Holy Spirit takes what we throw out and He takes that before God. But He also takes from God and interprets for us. Let me give you another verse. Jesus says, I'm telling you these things while I'm still living with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send at my request, He's going to make everything known to you. He will remind you of all the things that I have told you. He's going to instruct you. He's going to teach you. Check out this verse. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. So not only does the Holy Spirit take what we're trying to say to God, he takes for what God is trying to say to us and He interprets for us. So that's one of the responsibilities of the Holy Spirit. What's happening here in Acts chapter 2 is the Holy Spirit explodes on the scene and He makes known to these people the message that God wants them to hear. But I wanted you to know that He also takes what we need to say to God and He interprets that way as well. Let me tell you something else the Holy Spirit does. He empowers. He empowers. 
Jesus said, you'll receive power and you're going to be witnesses. And remember we said last week of all the people that he could have, that could have preached this first sermon here. God uses Peter. Fifty days ago, Peter doesn't have any courage. Fifty days ago, Peter doesn't have any boldness. Fifty days ago, Peter is nowhere to be found. But that's fifty days ago. He has received power. And now he's preaching boldly. And he's empowered to witness. And he says in this sermon in Acts chapter 2, God has raised this Jesus to life. And we are witnesses of the fact. He's preaching boldly because he's been empowered. <clears throat> Let me give you some... Uh, we said in Acts chapter 4 verse 19... Peter and John said, for we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. That's what happens when we're empowered. Now, God does the same thing for us today. The same power that He gave Peter to preach, He gives us the same power today. You say, I don't believe that, Richie. Look at these verses, 2 Timothy 1. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord. And you remember in Acts chapter 4 when they prayed, Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. And after they prayed, they were filled with the Spirit and they spoke with boldness. Listen folks, God still wants to do that today. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit empowered Peter and empowered the disciples and empowered the apostles to preach in a way that they had never been able to preach before. And He gave them a boldness and a courage. And God still wants to do that today. God's still looking for people to empower today. He still wants us to witness. He still wants to pour out His Spirit on us. So the next time you're in a situation that you're thinking... You know you're in those situations. You're at work. You've got a friend. You've got somebody in the family. And you know, you feel the Spirit moving in your life that you need to say something to somebody. Here's what you need to do. Lord, would you give me the words to say? And would you help me to say them with boldness? And God will give you the words to say, and God will empower you to witness. That's what Acts is all about. So the Holy Spirit interprets, and the Holy Spirit empowers. There's one more, the Holy Spirit inscribes. So in Acts chapter 2, you got all these people together. Peter preaches this phenomenal sermon, and he talks about Jesus. And he says, let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And here's how the people respond. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Now, I want to focus on cut to the heart. Other translations say they were cut to the quick. They were deeply troubled. They were pricked in their heart. They were moved to guilt. They were pierced in their hearts. They were so moved by the sermon, so moved by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, so moved by this explosion of power that the people had no other response but to say, what do we do? But they were cut to the heart. Now, I find that terminology interesting, and here's why. You remember in Genesis chapter 12 when God called a guy named Abram, changed his name to Abraham, and he made a covenant with him. And he said, I'm going to make... Um, your nation, I'm going to give you a great nation, I'm going to give you a great blessing, and I'm going to give you a great land. And then in Genesis 15, God cuts a covenant with Abram. We've talked about covenants before. Here's what you do when you cut a covenant. You take an animal and you cut it in half. 
and you put that animal on either side and you walk through the middle of that animal, the two halves, and you walk through this bloody mess. And in essence, you're saying, if I don't do what I'm saying to do, may this happen to me. May I be cut in half. May I be a bloody mess if I don't honor this covenant. And God made a covenant with Abram that day. God cut a covenant with Abram. Now you get to Genesis 17 and God confirms that covenant. And he wants Abraham to do something different. He said, Abram, I, I, want, I want to cut a covenant with you. I want you and all the males to cut the most intimate part of your body. And God called them to be circumcised. Because God literally cut a covenant with Abram and all the males. And God says, I'll be with you and I'll honor my covenant and I'll... And all nations will be blessed through you and your numbers will increase. And then we get here to Acts chapter 2 and the people are cut to the heart. Because God's cutting a new covenant with His people. Because through Jesus, God is cutting this new covenant. But God's not cutting on the body. God wants to cut people in their hearts. It's a different kind of covenant. God wants to do something from the inside out. So Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 3, You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, like He did with Moses on Mount Sinai. No, God wants to write on tablets of human hearts. It's a new covenant that God's doing. God wants to write on hearts. He wants to engrave on hearts. He wants to inscribe on hearts. So we read in Hebrews chapter 8, The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. This is a covenant I will make, declares the Lord. I'll put my laws in their minds and I will inscribe them on their hearts. That's what's going on in Acts chapter 2. The explosion of power is the outpouring of the Spirit that God wants to do in each and every one of us. God wants to do something in us. So, let me see if I've got some verses here. Acts chapter 2, at the end of this sermon, what should we do? Peter says you need to repent. You need to be baptized. So that you can be empowered. So you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. John 14. You will receive another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. You know Him, for He lives with you and will be with you. 1 Corinthians 3.16 Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and God's Spirit lives in you? God's cutting a new covenant here on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is doing a powerful thing because God wants to live inside each and every one of us. So Peter says it doesn't matter. Talked about this last week. doesn't matter what your nationality is. It doesn't matter what your gender is, your age, your income, your color. Because God is not concerned with the outside and the outside appearance. God wants to do something on the inside with your heart. And He wants to cut to the heart. And He wants to cut on your heart. And He wants to empower you with an explosion from the inside out. So it doesn't matter where you are in life. And it doesn't matter what you've done in life. And it doesn't matter what your sins are in life. God wants to pour His Spirit into you. He wants to indwell your body. God wants to live inside of you. How do we get that power? Well, Peter said, you repent, you're baptized, you become a Christ follower, and God empowers you and indwells you. So let me close with this. I didn't get to this last week, and I just think this is so cool from Acts 2. 
Remember what we said about Moses coming down from the mountain? Moses goes up on the mountain and he's receiving the law on tablets of stone. And while Moses is up high, the people are down low and said, Hey, yeah, Aaron, no, Moses is nowhere to be found. How about we throw a lot of gold at you and you do a golden calf and we'll worship that idol. And then Moses comes down from the mountain and he throws those tablets down and, and the tablets are destroyed and he took the calf that they had made and he burned it in the fire. And that day, 3,000 people died. When God gave the law and God showed up at Mount Sinai. Now here we are in the day of Pentecost. Remembering what happened in the giving of the law when 3,000 people died. And we read in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 people died and guess what? On the day of Pentecost, 3,000 more people died. Because that's what happens when you repent and you're baptized. You die. Let me give you another verse. Have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined Him in His death? For we died. That's what baptism is. We die to our old self. We die to our old ways. We repent of those old ways. We crucify our old self. We're raised to walk in newness of life. And not only are we raised to walk in newness of life, we're empowered through the Holy Spirit. Isn't it neat that in remembering what happened at Mount Sinai, 3,000 more people die? And as we read through the book of Acts, there's going to be a lot more people who die to their old selves. And they're baptized. And their numbers grew from 3,000 to 5,000 to 50,000. They grew rapidly because they wanted to die to their old self. So, when they said to Peter, what should we do? In essence, Peter's saying, well, you need to die. You murdered Jesus. You need to die. Well, how, how do I do that? You repent, and you're baptized, and you go down into these waters of baptism, and we bury you in the waters of baptism. And in the same way Jesus died and was buried, we bury you. That's what baptism is. And you are raised to walk in newness of life. Folks, the Holy Spirit saved some people that day, rescued people. They were baptized. They were added to the church. They were empowered to witness. And they turned the world upside down. Listen, folks, I, I don't know how people live without power. I just don't know. I don't know in the times of my life how I live without power. I guess I just go through the motions. But God wants to empower us, not only for victorious living, not only for an abundant life, but God wants to empower us to use us to grow His kingdom. He's going to give us what we need to be the kind of witnesses He wants us to be. So we offer the invitation of Jesus Christ today for you to die to yourself, for you to repent, for you to be baptized, for you to crucify your old self so that we can raise you up to be a new creation. And we offer the invitation of Jesus today for you to have the outpouring of the Spirit in your life. If you're a baptized believer, if you've already been baptized, but maybe you're going down the wrong road, maybe you're overcome by some temptation, you can meet with our shepherds in the back and they'll take you to a private room and they will embrace you in prayer and lift you before the throne of grace in prayer. If you need to respond to the invitation today, if you need power today, please respond as we stand and sing.